0: Hello, and welcome to Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast, where we talk about how medieval and medieval-inspired movies, TV, and books depict the medieval world. What do they get right? What do they get wrong? And what do they tell us about how modern people see the medieval past? I'm Sarah ift a medieval historian, and today I'm joined by Ollie Brady, all the way from Rome for this year's spooky Halloween episode on 2023 film The Pope's Exorcist which is obviously an excellent example of medievalism. So Ollie welcome
1: I'm I don't feel welcome sir I uh, <laughs> it says here why did you want to talk about this movie And every now and then I'll come on this thing and go I didn't want to talk about this but I can tell you dear listeners, that Sarah was like, do you want to talk about the Pope's exorcist for Halloween? First of all, I don't, even I, the man who wants to put every big movie onto this <laughs> podcast, I, I'm arguing for Indiana Jones to be on the podcast. And even I am looking at this Which I will one day. How has Sarah tried to- d- Justified as it this.
0: turns out it actually has an immense amount of medieval content actually
1: I, I, listen don't you well actually me sarah if dagger right <laughs> but we'll see when we get there but all i can say is this movie was not on my radar i did not want to go see this in the cinema i had forgotten that it even existed and then sarah said you want to do this and my original thought was you just want to hate on Russell Crowe. That's all that's happening. Yep. He's become yep. your hateable guy <laughs> because of Gladiator. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, I obviously I always love coming back on the podcast because I love Sarah. Um we may we may have fallen out a little bit on the Gladiator episode. And on this one you know we may fall out again because i know one of us thought this was an amazing movie and one of us thought this was Mm the pope's exorcist from 2023 so we will discuss this as we go along but um yeah it's great to be back um sir i have a just quick question when -hmm. you're talking about what did they get right what did they get wrong in this is it going to be all about demons and whether or not people converted when they should have or is it am i like am i completely wrong on that
0: no it's mostly going to be that there's uh, some material culture manuscript stuff there's a lot of stuff about a certain medieval institution which to my great surprise features prominently in this film and uh then there's some discussion of demonology
1: oh sweet well i can't wait for it so we're talking about the pope's exorcist sarah who's the uh who is the pope's exorcist
0: the titular Pope's exorcist, Father Gabriele Amort, is played by my bestie Russell Crowe, who uh, I have to say, bless his heart, has not aged great, in my opinion.
1: No, like I mean, he's he's wearing his fifty-plus years and sixty to seventy to eighty-plus pounds since the last time we watched him in a movie, and um, yeah, but like. Fair play to him. He's he seems to be happy with his life and happy with the decisions he's making. So, yeah,
0: I'm not gonna not gonna judge him and too much. Those and those decisions included the Pope's exorcist. Yeah, uh, and specifically, they included him doing a movie which involves a combination of him speaking Italian and him speaking in an Italian accent. Now, last time we talked about Russell Crowe, we discussed the fact that I struggled to buy Russell Crowe as Spanish. I also struggle to buy Russell Crowe as Italian, and his Italian accent makes that significantly worse, as does the fact that when Russell Crowe, bless his heart, speaks Italian, he does not sound like he understands what he is saying.
1: I, he probably doesn't, but... I mean, I'm sure he doesn't. That's the, probably uh, why
0: he doesn't sound like he does.
1: But, the Sarah, um, when you say that he is uh, talking in, in uh, an Italian accent, um, I mean, I, I thought that his uh, Italian accent was a uh, perfecto. Like, it was a uh, perfecto. Like, I don't, uh, I don't understand. Uh, God. What uh, what, what do you think he did
0: uh, wrong? His Italian accent is a hate crime, Ollie. You say a hate crime. He should a, be sued um, by the Italian like people. He had,
1: uh, he had the very essence of uh, Italianism. Uh, because he, he, spoke no. it, he spoke it a little bit like it is.
0: Yeah, he spoke like that and talked about how uh, you can't drink a cafe latte in the afternoon. Italians. That is all.
1: Yes, you cannot. A uh, latte in the afternoon. The, the, the work of the devil. Yes, yes, you know what I mean. But also, he sounded a little bit like this, but is he a little bit Greek or is he also a little bit Transylvanian? Mm. I don't know. Just, just, for anybody a, just who a little bit watched of everything.
0: Movie,
1: that's... Um, almost spot on impression of him oh, doing, yeah. uh his italian accent
0: it is it's yeah
1: he makes mario i thought i was talking to russell right there subtle <laughs> yes that mario mario mario
0: it's really bad uh it is also by the way hilarious so i as everybody knows i always watch movies with the closed captioning on because i am secretly 90 and <laughs> hilariously the uh so you know it, just to I will say in advance, Uh, we start out with watching him in Rome at the Vatican, but we'll end up, the movie will end up taking place mostly in Spain. And uh, the closed captioning just keeps saying everybody's speaking Italian at the point when they are in fact actually speaking Spanish. And it's very funny.
1: It all sounds the same when uh, Russell Crowe does it.
0: (laughs) I mean, Russell Crowe, I don't think actually ever is speaking Spanish. I think he's speaking, I think he's speaking bad Italian at the person who was speaking Spanish. Yeah,
1: it is. It's a strange one, okay. But I'm. Um, I think he's. He who is
0: like not from Spain, but does, yeah, I think, I think he's... potentially know Spanish.
1: I think he's, he's secretly pretty good in this movie. Is Russell Crowe? secretly pretty
0: good. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who else is in the movie, sir?
0: Uh, so Daniel Zovato as Father Esquivel. Um, and uh, he so and like and he is Costa Rican, so like accent wise, he is clearly like not Castilian, but he does uh, speak Spanish, which gives, as far as I can tell, which gives him um, a major leg up in terms of uh, people speaking languages other than English in this film.
1: Okay. So um, as I was watching this, I could not help but think there was two actors in the movie. And I was having basically the same thought about them. So I'm going to find out the name of the uh, the daughter because um, I don't see it written here. Um, But himself, every time I looked at him, I went, oh, that guy, not Daniel Brule. Because he looks like <clears throat> Daniel Brule.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he does. He like, okay, so... My opinion also about the cast of this movie, and I don't mean this as an insult exactly, is just that clearly they spent all of their budget (laughs) on Russell Crowe and one other person who has like some voice acting credits. And everybody else in this movie kind of seems like they're the poor man's version of somebody more famous.
1: That's exactly how they feel. Like, he looks yeah. like, he looks like we couldn't afford Daniel Brühl. Let's get that guy who looks a bit like Daniel Brühl.
0: And he's also named Daniel. So, and they're like, and they're like people who do horror also. Like like uh, Daniel Zavato is in It Follows. Uh, Alex Esso who plays uh, Julia Vasquez the mother she's in uh, Doctor Sleep and The Haunting of Bly Manor and Midnight Mass so
1: there's you know. uh, three things you just mentioned that I've never seen and I don't actually remember watching It Follows I probably did because remember it had that like that six month period it was like oh my god It Follows is going to change the horror genre like it's so raw and real and I was like was it so i probably watched it at some stage back then but um for anybody who remembers me on the last time i did a halloween episode of this uh headhunter the 2018 abomination um this is i'm not a horror guy
0: and i i like her and i liked it follows i I'm not sure I adored It Follows as much as some people adored It Follows, but I liked It Follows. Uh, this movie also has Franco Nero as the Pope. I will note that even though we obviously know who was the Pope in 1987, it is Jumbo. John Paul II. Yeah, he's rocking
2: it. Um,
0: He is not in the um, credits described as playing Pope John Paul II. He's just like some vague Pope.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it's it's one of those things where I bet you he was at some stage addressed as John Paul, and they were like, "Oh, we don't want to just we don't want to label him as actually John Paul. Like, what if we get sued?" Yeah. So let's just take it off. I don't think away. they ever do.
0: Yeah, I don't think they ever actually do in this film. I think they're just like your excellency. Bet they
1: did it. Oh, oh, oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in particular, yeah. when
1: he's talking to um, Gabrielle, who they appear to be yeah. friends, like it's the kind yeah. of thing where. You know the original screenplay had Gabrielle dropping him yeah. on first name basis,
0: okay, but actually that's a very good question i i haven't I have an important question about if you're personal friends with the Pope Me and Frank, do you yeah. in chats with him yeah like okay, but do you talk to him like do you address him by his pope name or his original name?
1: I call him Frankie <laughs> he's like Oli. okay, yep yeah, Frank e and he goes, but Ali. <laughs> <laughs> and this is my, my international uh, accent. Uh, I might be Argentinian, but I sound like all of Russell Crowe's accents.
0: But so you call him Frankie? You don't call him Jorge?
1: No, I would never call him Jorge. He's that's his, <laughs> Sarah. Sarah, don't dead name the
0: boy. Well, I know I. I I think that, I mean, I think that is an interesting question is whether you refer, like whether that is how, what the attitude is, whether if you're just chatting with the Pope and your buddies, if you use his Pope name or his birth name. Do you know,
1: I've actually genuinely never thought about this. I will ask, (laughs) so I will ask my principal who I know for a fact has met the Pope. So I will ask him and see what he says. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, and I will. I hundred I mean, percent. People listening, I will edit it in. Be like, this is what Father Henry. Amazing. Said. Hello, I apologize for the slight drop in audio quality here. I'm recording this onto the laptop's microphone as I'm editing. I asked Father Martin, uh, Martin, um my principal, and he said that um one, it was silly for me to assume that he'd met the Pope because I just happened to know he'd gone to the Vatican. Uh, not all Irish people know each other and not all priests get to hang out with the Pope when they go there, which again makes sense I was probably silly to assume that he said that the Pope should always be referred to as your holiness or in situations where you do need to use his name, you use his new name, his taken name very close friends may refer to him as Jorge in private but he can't say for certain but yes, you should always refer to the Pope by his chosen name or your holiness when Referring to, him. thank you.
0: Okay, I mean, I'm okay office. based on medieval examples. I am rooting for Pope names on several grounds. A, because if you take on the name Pope Formosus, which basically means Pope Sexy, how can you not want people to call you that? B, Pope Gregory the Seventh uh, was originally named Hildebrand, so obviously Gregory is a way better move than Hildebrand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: um and see just for fun i would like to make sure that everybody remembers that the uh last pope to just use his own name was uh pope lando
1: pope lando which again awesomely cool name mm-hmm. you can't get over the fact mm-hmm. that there's a bunch of popes who call themselves pious um like which again <laughs> and urban. just feels like it's on the nose hey who are yeah. you yeah pope pious oh
0: that's mm. like pope urban which sounds like you're kind of trying to be a little edgy
1: i want to just say one thing about franco nero he is like, I'd say I've seen Franco Nero in 60 movies because of my dad's love of mm-hmm. spaghetti westerns and mm-hmm. like war movies and stuff. And he's a really good actor. Yeah. I had genuinely thought that he'd passed away. So, delighted to find out that he's not only still yeah. kicking, he seems in great health. So, yeah, touch wood that I haven't just jinxed him. But yeah, Franco Nero. I know, right? Going.
0: Yeah, and uh, he has also previously made an appearance on this podcast because he is Lancelot in the uh, movie version of Camelot. Ooh. Which is like, he is doing like a good job in a hammy sort of way, is which is how i describe most people in the movie Camelot, actually.
1: Yeah, well, it, it, that's pretty much Franco Nero's vibe. And he was yeah. the original Django, so not Django Unchained. Although he is in Django Unchained. Right. He's, he's just at a bar, mm. he's like... It's almost like he says, like, have fun. (laughs) One of those, like, (laughs) passing the torch moments. Um, Then, so you've written down Cornel John as Bishop uh, Lumumba. So that's the African bishop?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he's in uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian, a -hmm. movie that I have, like, weirdly, like, it's not good, but I have weirdly fond feelings for because uh, the Spanish dub of it, which I saw in... Spain in 2008 is like very entertaining. Um, And he also originated the role of the role of Mufasa in the West end production of the Lion King.
1: Mufasa.
0: Um, So I have one last person who I wanted to make sure to mention, which is that Ralph Ineson, who is like the MVP of this podcast he has been in like a dozen movies mm-hmm, covered mm-hmm. on this podcast is here as the voice of Asmodeus yeah
1: I didn't know that until the first time he opened his mouth and I went is that Ralph Innocent or Innocent I probably said Innocent is that Ralph Innocent and then looked it up I was like it is Ralph Innocent I can't wait to talk about uh-huh. we should tag him in this
0: I mean, I might because he, uh, so, okay. I mentioned him being the media, the media evil MVP in a post a while back and I didn't tag him, but he must have like an alert out for his name because he responded.
1: Mm-hmm. You showed it to me. I was like, That's and so cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I will have to ask him, by the way, how to pronounce his name. It does say Einson, um, according to Wikipedia. Uh,
1: I have no doubt it is Ineson. I'm just saying that for years I've just pronounced it Ralph Innocent because it's a very, like, so he, as I was saying for, that he, he's like, what's the best way to describe it? He's almost like an institution on, on like British TV and Irish TV. So, right. Yeah. Um, so.
0: He, wasn't he in like the British version of The Office yeah, he's or something? Finch in The British version yeah. of
1: Office. So he's, um, he's such a good actor. I really, I genuinely love that man. Um. Yeah, so yeah, I hope I hope and, he's listening. If he listens to this episode because he gets tired, Yeah. Ralph, I want you to know everybody in Ireland loves you. Everybody in England loves you. It's just, it's like, that guy. But it's that guy we like.
0: And also, like, he does a really good, like, threatening voice. Yeah. He is, I mean, he is also, like, quite good, I think, as the Green Knight.
1: Yeah, and he's menacing in general uh, just because he's a big dude. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's got a good, like, medieval menacing vibe. So yeah, good good demon performance.
1: There are two other people. There's two kids in this movie. So the little boy um who gets possessed by the devil. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen him and I think this might be his only like casting role or whatever. And there's a girl called Laurel Laurel Marsden who was in Miss Marvel, the TV show. I think she's one of Miss Marvel's friends. Like the probably mm-hmm. the quirky one with, with mm. multicoloured hair. But the first time I saw her on the screen so I was like, there's not Daniel Brühl. And then for her, I was like, that's not Chloe Grace Moretz. But it's again, it's like the wish uh-uh. version of their characters.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They they clearly spent all the money on like a couple of very big name people. And then are like, let's go, let's go cheap for the rest of the cast.
2: Este Mateo.
0: So... The Pope's Exorcist. Uh, First of all, fun fact: this movie takes place in 1987, which
1: is the year I was born. Sorry, say that again, Sarah. You just cut out for me there a little bit.
0: Oh, uh, this movie takes place in 1987, which is the year I was born.
1: Okay, sorry, sorry, Sarah. Just cut out again because I I don't know that as a fact. Some of us older. I was old enough to be possessed by the devil in nineteen
0: eighty seven. I I existed when this movie takes place because it it takes place in like in like the summer.
1: Yeah, you were probably a baby. in nineteen eighty seven. Yeah,
0: yeah, I was like four months old. God
1: damn, absolute worst. Sarah, St- oh, I hate it so much. So it starts out in nineteen eighty seven, and. What did you
0: think of this intro? I was a little baffled.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So okay, we've got this kid, so we've got this like teenager, right? And um what he does is essentially he's this teens have been possessed by a demon, which we know because he's speaking English and it's sort of ambiguous whether he's like really possessed or fucking with him or something but he kind of does this thing where basically he convinces this demon so it seems to instead possess a pig that he's brought with him and then shoots the pig it's it's a lot you don't really expect to see like, an animal shot in front of you in two minutes of a, in the first two minutes of a movie?
1: Yeah, shot with a shotgun in the head. Um, I, <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. And there's a couple of things for this. Number one, uh, I also watch with closed captions on. But when you have closed captions on, it doesn't translate the Italian into English for you. It translates no, it the Italian does not. into Italian. Because it's uh-huh. just putting what's said on screen. on. So it,
0: Mine just literally said speaking Italian in brackets. That's what
1: mine said. Whereas if you take the closed captions off, it translates what he said. Uh, but I didn't realize that. So I was sitting there like, I have no idea what he is saying, but he's saying it very stiltedly. And then he goes into the room and the demon is speaking English to him. And again, I'm thinking, why is the demon choosing to speak English? Like, why? This is random. Surely the demon would, like, speak, let's just say, Latin to him. But no, demon is speaking English. But he continues to speak Italian to him. So the demon's like, oh, don't you mock me and all this sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, like, what's going on? And then he's, like, challenges the demon to show him his powers. It jumps into the pig. He has not had a conversation with the people in that room. He comes in on his own. Now. And how does the guy know to rip out a shotgun and shoot the pig in the head?
0: That is a good question. It's it just... It, that is a very good he question. Does, he doesn't talk to anybody.
1: He talks to one, one guy and it's like, blah, 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 go on and let me show him to me. But as soon as he gets into the pig, he doesn't even say no or anything like that. It's just like the guy shoots the pig. Now. So... Yeah, like maybe he's been following along in a second scooter and entered the room well, unbeknownst to us. He's like the the number two. He's the Pope's exorcist assistant. But it's just one of those things where I was like, I
0: think he's just a local priest.
1: That's what I mean. How did he know? Like, yeah. is this like standard standard um, exercising etiquette? So they all just have a shotgun just in case. Anyway, it's just it was one of those things. But yeah, it's a weird scene um, because. It feels like it was too easy, if that makes sense.
0: So it's a weird scene. And then also we have this like hard cut from that to this music that sounds like it's supposed to be in like a rom-com. Um, that like then introduces us to this family of Americans who are temporarily moving to Castile. By which I mean Ireland.
1: Yeah. It is Ireland. Well uh, the overhead shots weren't Ireland, but like all of the interiors are Ireland, I think. Yeah. Did you say it was Drummore Castle, maybe something like that?
0: Yeah. That's the information I found online at least. And when I looked at the pictures, it made sense.
1: Yeah. It it does look like the Pope's um it does look like the Pope's uh Exorcist. It does look like uh Dromore Castle. Drumore Castle is lovely, by the way. If you're everyone in Ireland, I highly recommend you go take a look mm. of it.
0: So they're moving into this Abbey because, uh, first of all, this woman does not have a job, which is weird, in my opinion. Like, you know, no offense against somebody who genuinely, like, wants to be a stay-at-home mom, but I feel like it's, like, not the most standard choice in this day and age for somebody, especially, like, when you reach the point where, like, both of the children are old enough to be in school, Anyway, so she has no job, and so the only way that they can have any income is to renovate and deal with this abbey that belonged to the now-dead husband and father. Um, I would also like to note that when they are driving up to the abbey, um, first of all, the uh, the girl is a very sullen teen. The boy is sort of gray-faced and looks like the kind of person who would get possessed. And the mother tells her daughter, who is wearing just shorts and a tank top in which I would consider a perfectly normal outfit for a teen to wear in the summer. She tells her that she can't dress like this anymore because there are going to be construction workers everywhere. Um, So I guess the lesson of this movie is that if as a woman you wear shorts, you probably deserve to be catcalled and or maybe possessed by a demon.
1: (laughs) I don't know if that's the message, Sarah. Beyond Mm. that, they're trying to do everything to make this girl the quintessential, um, what's the best to describe it, Uh, rebellious teen, right? So the mom's like... You can't dress like that. You're not in America anymore because you know in Spain, as as you know, I haven't spent a long time. They're very, 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 very covered up. They, they are never, never wearing
0: like. Red no, they're not.
1: They, they're just always just like full length trousers and.
0: Uh, no, trousers they're covered. not.
1: Sp- Spanish people, Sarah, you know yourself. They, they, they're always covered, like even at the beach.
0: Spanish people are so naked. Spanish people are wearing less clothing like this all the time. only
1: Americans. Constantly. Only Americans wear shorts. Mm, That's what the mom says. I don't think so. The mom says... Uh, Have
0: you been to a beach in Spain, Ollie? They're not even wearing bathing suits there.
1: No, exactly. I've been
0: to beaches in Spain. They're They're like, yeah, I'm going to go topless.
1: They're wearing jeans and t-shirts.
0: No, they're wearing a a bathing suit bottom and a no top.
1: But what I love about this is, girl goes in and mom's like, you got to, uh, you got to cover up. So she takes off the jacket she was wearing. Um, just the uh, mm-hmm. army style jacket that she was wearing. Because remember, this is a rebellious thing. And yep. she goes up and the first thing she does is she meets one of those construction workers and asks him for a cigarette. Uh, and then smokes mm-hmm. a cigarette. But it's one of those screenplay things, which is like, this kid is so rebellious that she does the exact opposite her mom tells her to do. Then gets a cigarette, smokes a cigarette, but also when the mom says, is that a cigarette? Put that thing out right now. She does it.
0: Right? Come on. That doesn't make any sense. Um, it's just surely yeah. she would
1: have. And then it, later on, we see her sitting on her bed and she's listening to, right, uh, just just for <laughs> the tracks in this, the songs that are used, like the real songs as opposed to the score are so ridiculous. Like, so you said that first song they were listening to is the it's this she sells sanctuary but a cure because they're going to an abbey to live um and she does in fact sell sanctuary mm-hmm. uh when the man comes in to give out to her and says like look after your little brother and talk to your little brother she's listening to uh gone daddy gone because they're just yes discussing the fa- you know because
0: her father's dead his
1: father's dead and also remember she's a rebellious teen so she's listening to the violent femmes because you know that's what rebellious teens listen to in 2023 Yep. Although it is yep. nineteen eighty
0: seven, so Yeah.
1: Perhaps yeah. that is what they listen to. It
0: might it might be. You know, she's uh she's rebellious, but like, you know, she's like got a little bit of a vintage vibe.
1: <laughs> That's true.
0: <laughs> so we also, then, uh, we're kind of going back and forth, I think, at this point, right? Yep. Between what's going on at this abbey and um, Father Amort's, uh, um facing this uh, tribunal at the Vatican. Um, first of all, he has this line that says, the only counter to the will of God is a person's freedom to choose, at which point I wrote down, but not to choose, like, whether you give birth. Um <laughs> Yes. Yes, Ollie.
1: It's going to be one of those episodes.
0: (laughs) And then is confronted by this tribunal, which includes uh, Bishop Lumumba, who is his buddy, and Cardinal Sullivan, who this fucking guy, this guy is like 12 years old. Can you still become a cardinal at that age? Because that man is like significantly younger than I am. And I feel like... That made sense back in the day when you just were like, fuck, you're from an important family. We're just going to throw a bishopric at you like right now. You're 19. Cool. I feel like we don't do that anymore. I feel like you need to like rise in the church hierarchy.
1: He's also. And right. You know, he's probably based on a real person, so I don't want to come down too hard on him, but he's also a dick. I
0: would not make that (laughs) shit. Oh, he's such a dick.
1: Like he is, he obviously has a thing out here, and he's talking about like this council and the um, the papal council and 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 the the um, the catechismal council and all this stuff. It's like we're going we have to make changes, and we're not going to be talking about exorcisms anymore. And you know, there is like you're you're talking like there's such thing as like measurable, actionable evil, and you have uh, Gabriel, our our main guy, the Pope's exorcist, like there is no evil. What is the point of the church? like we, uh, I mean, the point of the church and then the, the four cardinals were all like oh oh my god how can you say such a thing like it's just such they couldn't have made more paper thin villains if they'd have actually put right. pieces of paper there and moved their mouths up and down like we were watching south park um but yeah it, it just especially
0: because t- it's extra silly because we know that obviously regardless the point of the church is to cover up the sexual assault committed by all its priests listeners i'm gonna have a, i'm having a great
1: time a section cut out of this podcast there um just this is, this is for yourself this is not me putting in a note to tell me to cut it out i'm t- telling the listeners that i've cut something out there and you're never going to guess what it was but it was a reference to child sexual abuse by the catholic church now um <laughs> <laughs> while uh, while this is all happening uh, we we get to learn about a morph or as i like to call him qui-gon Jinn. Because he don't give a shit what the Council of Elders say, including the elder who is about 12. He's like, nah, I'm going to do my own stuff. And don't you try and tell me this here is a mockery. This is some sort of kangaroo court. What are you going to do? And then somebody says something along the lines of, you know, you have to answer questions here. He goes, I don't have to answer questions to you. I answer to the Bishop of Rome. I answer to the person who appointed me personally. And you can go take it up with him. He's referring to the Pope. And it cuts to the Pope.
0: Yep. Yep, and his his good buddy the Pope, um, so.
1: Or as he calls him JP.
0: Meanwhile. JP two. JP his buddy JP two, so meanwhile back at the Abbey, the um, our construction workers um, find some sort of like mystery like hole in the basement. And their automatic reaction to this, which personally I think is on them, is, I know, let's light a fire and see how that goes. And uh, then there is some kind of gas, and uh, they, as a result, you know, end up getting injured. I, watching this, go, the gas is coming from hell. And I, spoiler alert, hate, hate that I was correct.
1: (laughs) The fire um, kills a couple of them and uh, it leads to all of the workers leaving. So it's it's just their way Which of again
0: is bullshit yep. because that is on them. Because why would you in a mystery place light a fire? Use a flashlight. They had flashlights in 1987.
1: Yeah, I agree, Sarah. You don't... I, don't be mad at me. Um, <laughs> I would always have used a flashlight. But... <laughs> These guys, they, they leave, so it's just, it's the, it's just an excuse to have it just being the, uh, the man, the right. daughter and the son in the house, right? So it's like, oh, this,
0: And the priest too is floating the around. Just,
1: the priest, the priest too is eyeing the man. Like, the I, Yes, he is. Absolutely is. Now, the man, yeah, he, I mean, woman.
0: as we learn, and as we learn, his type.
1: Uh, well, definitely his type if we go back into <laughs> the history of him later on. But the little boy who's there who hasn't spoken since his dad died in a car accident of which he was there and the dad requested that they go to this Spanish thing and I'm not saying the dad was somehow possessed or anything like this but you know there's uh, that's possibly a little bit of a uh, little bit of mm. thinking about this mm. now bear in mind remember Vinyl fans are listening to Gone Gone Daddy Gone Gone um, Daddy Gone yeah. uh, but the little boy starts so getting so fucking possessed. on the nose he starts acting weird He they bring him in to get Checked out for stuff, and it turns out that he's not sick. He's um he doesn't have anything that pops up on the MRI. He do, they do a whole series of blood tests on him; nothing shows up again. But he's clearly possessed by something, because he's talking with stuff. He tells the mom and sister that they're all gonna die, and he's talking with Ralph Innocent's voice. And I think that's really well dubbed over because. Yeah. The little boy is doing a good job of acting it out, and Ralph's innocent voice looks like it's timed with his lip movements and stuff really well. So, yeah. It's worked good. But if you're.
0: I think it's pretty well filmed. And, like, I will say the possession stuff in general is like. It's a bit derivative of other possession movies. Other better possession possession movies, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like. It's very much like, all right, we get it. You watch The Exorcist but it's like not badly done. So like, I would not say that like that element is like particularly original, but it's like perfectly well filmed.
1: Yeah. And also just for anybody listening, if your little kid suddenly sounds like um, Ralph Inneson after a year of not talking, absolutely commit him somewhere. The best thing about it is when he, so the, the man has two lines really close together that genuinely made me laugh. And they're not meant to be joking lines but she goes to the hospital the boy has clearly something wrong with him and all the mri tests are clear and the uh, blood tests are clear they run sort of tox screens on him all of that's clear so the doctor says this is not a medical issue it's sign of some sort of psychosis and the mother's response is psychosis it can't be he's just a kid why does the mother think that kids can't undergo psychosis? Because she's adamant about
0: Especially it. Especially if, as we soon learn, he watched his father, like, get impaled in a car accident. How has this child not been through, like, a gauntlet of, like, every fucking psychiatrist she can find?
1: That, that's another thing, which... Because 1987, Sarah, nobody was sending anybody to therapy anywhere. But the little boy... He's getting the test done, and they say there's no medical. And one of the doctors says, has he been through any trauma recently? And then the mom's like, hmm, well, his dad did die in the last year. And the two doctors look at each other, and you can tell they're like, well, clearly that's going to have an effect. And then the mom goes, and he was there in the car when it happened. And the two doctors are like, yeah think this this could be uh this could be like definitely linked to it and that's when they go off with the psychosis like surely she would have talked to oh by the way uh, right? they've decided this because of that and he goes oh by the way he hasn't spoken in a year how is that the first time that this is coming up
0: right Okay, I know in 1987, a therapist is not your first port of call, but I feel like in these obviously extreme circumstances, psychiatrists do exist. I feel like if your child watched his father died and doesn't talk, I feel like that's when you go to a psychiatrist. Yeah. Even in 1987, I feel like like I feel like some doctor would have suggested that to her. Yeah. Oh, no. Like, I feel 100%. like she would have taken. Yeah. Like, I feel like she would have taken him to a doctor A he would have gone to a doctor like during the like after the car accident just to like check him out. I feel like at that point, a doctor probably would have said, you know, <laughs> might be a good idea. And especially if he's then, like, not talking, I feel like she would have, like, taken him to a doctor then and been like, is this a medical thing? And they would have been like, no, and then we'd, like, ask these same questions, and then she would have taken him to a psychiatrist. So, like, I don't know. She's a bad parent, is all I'm saying.
1: Also, uh, this leads back to a teenage daughter who's lying on the bed, and the man comes in and goes, would you, is there any chance you could talk to your... uh, brother for me a little bit. You know, just, just check in and you know, just make sure that, you know, you know, he knows we care or whatever. You know, he you know he's he's a little bit quiet. And the daughter's go the daughter replies with, Oh, you want me to be the parent for you? And he's like, stop screenplay. Come on. The mother is clearly you- trying her best in this particular instance. Like you don't have to burn her that badly. Um but yeah so they get home um the girl is now listening to what is she listening to after this? Like, it's another completely, like, on-the-nose 1980s thing. Um, oh, it we really care, or something like that she's listening to. Uh, or we care a lot. That's what she's listening to. And she's listening to this. It's in the earphones. And then she hears noises. Even though Henry is, like, in the bed, effectively possessed by a devil at this point, she's like, hmm, what's that noise? Henry? Henry? Is that you, Henry? Henry? But she goes in to check on henry and the man comes in with her and henry is sitting up in the bed uh surprisingly strong for like uh, an eight-year-old waspy or wispy kid and he lifts up a shirt and he's got hate written like scar tissue across his chest and stomach and he says send me
0: the priest get me the priest i love that it's just the word hate
1: yeah in english
0: (laughs) which is kind of i mean well he speaks english I know, but but the demons... I don't know why these demons are English-speaking, but... So, they... I mean, okay, I'm fine with the demon speaking English to, like, his family members, because I can see the argument that part of the demon, like, creeping people out is saying things that they will understand, and they're Americans, and clearly they speak no other languages. So... I do get why the demon speaks English to them. I don't understand why he speaks English to Father Mort.
1: Yeah, that's it. I'm, I don't get that at all. So the call the. I mean, the real
0: answer, presumably, is that there's only so many people in this movie that they could make attempt to speak Italian who presumably do not know Italian. That like they're like, well, we will make Russell Crowe do this we're not going to make everybody do this.
1: But the uh, Russell Crowe's uh, intonation, it's it, uh, a, per- a perfect, I it. Um, so they bring the local priest, um uh, not Daniel Burl, and he meets the man, and he does one of the, like, there's just such, there's a weird creepy thing, and I'm going to demonstrate this to Sarah, Um, which is when you reach out to grab somebody's hand, and you go for the handshake, mm-hmm. and they turn your hand sideways, so your hand is upwards on them, right? Now, as in back in the old days of the Mm, I'm going to kiss your fingertips, right? But any time anybody has ever had my hand and done that, right? So that my hand is either facing up them.
0: Yeah. That person is
1: a creep. There, there's no yeah. reason to do that. And he does that to the... Hand, he's one step away from doing the double hand where like his ha- other hand goes on top of her. And then slightly, like He is eyeing up this man. And I get it, he's yeah. a priest. And you know, at the end of the day, at least he's not eyeing up the wee boy. But... It's still... It's
0: a pleasant surprise for all of us, exactly. honestly.
1: But, it's like, he's given off those vibes. And I don't even know if the mam is also a little bit, you know... okay. Like, I've seen Fleabag uh, 25 years in the future. I i know about sexy priest. But... Or hot Look, priest. I'm a lonely widow. Yeah, I'm a lonely widow. My husband died a year ago in a horrible car accident. But damn, this priest got a nice cow's lick on his hair. Like... It's just one of those things where like, it's a little bit weird. So the priest walks in yeah. to little boy and uh, the demon in him goes, Wrong priest! And uses some sort of demon magic powers to fire him across the room, smash through the cabinet which was against the wall and then we cut to the Pope. And the Pope is yes. in a church in the Vatican and up behind him walks his best buddy, Gabrielle.
0: Yes, so the Pope has heard about this possession case. Uh, news travels fast, apparently, and so he um, wants to send Gabriele there. And he notes that one of the causes for concern is the fact that it seems odd to him that this possession happened on holy grounds, that it's the uh, San Sebastian Abbey. Um, And he notes that this particular location has caused them trouble before, uh, which they are vague about the details of that. And uh, we see some of the documentation that the Vatican archives have. Um, The main form is that the main thing they have is they have this manuscript where somebody has painstakingly like 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 kind of like done like little loops. And so like they've like crossed out everything like so, so carefully that like I genuinely like I paused this because I was trying to figure out what it said because I had a feeling I would probably have Latin to correct, mm-hmm. um, and eventually gave up because it was just like too difficult to make it past the like cross outs. Um, but, uh, it has then written at the bottom and this Latin I will discuss later the phrase, Pecata tua te," which is translated as our sins will seek us out.
1: Yeah. And just a, a small thing, just talk about filming in Ireland. Um, the Vatican Archive that they're in is actually the Long Hall in Trinity College in Dublin um, where ah, students oh, go cool. to study. That is just the study yeah. room. Um, so he walks down nice the Long study Hall room. and they cgi the floor to make it look it, like he was on the second story because he's on the ground floor. But all of those uh, statues and uh, another random point just to point out as well is that it is also the inspiration for the uh, library library of the Jedi in Attack of the Clones. So it's designed oh, based around that particular That's room.
0: fun. Yeah. Hmm. So Father Immort arrives and, uh, you know, comes into... Uh, comes into contact with this kid. Uh, you know, the kid says, you know, God's not here. My name is blasphemy and my name is nightmare. We've got like, w- this is where we get like more and more of the like, this guy being fucking jokey that he's like, my nightmare is France winning the World Cup. Which is
1: true, especially ah, in 1987. Ah. But I I really need to address one of the funniest things I've ever heard from a person in a movie so just to reiterate what's happened they've shown up in the abbey there's been a fire and people have died the dad died the boy is sick and undergoing psychosis he has carved the word hate into his skin he says give Mm -hmm. me a priest in a demonic voice tells them they're all going to die a priest shows up, the priest gets fired across the room in front of the man through a cabinet uh, breaks the cabinet there's glass everywhere there's, he's probably cut up or whatever and the boy shouts wrong, goes wrong fucking wrong priest fucking priest uh, again in this voice um, and calls for the correct priest and Father Gabrielle shows up and the mother's first sentence to him is I don't know why the church is interested in my son
0: right it should be obvious actually
1: and she says it in a stressed voice In like a pain voice. I don't even know why the church is interested in him. I'm sorry. Did you not see what's just happened? How do you think the priest. Flew across a room. Through thing after. a clearly demon obsessed boy. Like even if it wasn't for the fact that he's carved the word hate. Into himself. Surely seeing the magic of. Knocking a fully grown man. While he's sitting on the bed. So the priest hasn't even got into the room fully. And he's like force choked him and thrown him across the bloody corridor and still the man's like I don't know why the I don't know why the church would be interested in my boy
0: look she's clearly not very smart I'm just I'm just saying she's clearly just not that bright. <laughs> it's
1: just but when she was younger because she doesn't pray anymore Sarah because she doesn't have faith mm-hmm. but she did have a guardian angel that helped her in her youth which is what she tells Gabrielle yeah
0: yes Okay, so uh, I do think it is hilarious, I will say, that the demon calls him Gabe.
1: Gabe, yep. Yeah. So, Gabe.
0: So funny. So a bunch of other creepy shit happens. Uh, they get, like, a phone call and the daughter answers and it's her dad's voice. And then it goes into, you're all gonna die. Uh, you know, all stuff. sorts of creepy noises. So then it's like they're like, all right, we need to take this seriously. And in particular, that they need to find out the name of the demon, which gives it which gives you power over it. And that's how you're going to exercise the demon. They also and this is one of the other things that I think is hilariously dumb is there is that um, Russell Crowe, Gabriele says to uh, the other priest, uh, Father Esquivel, okay, we need to confess our sins because the demon can smell our sins, right? And he's going to use them against us. Yeah, and he
1: can do like, here's a flashback to something that happened to you before. Now I can spit out a dead bird.
0: But then the, but before that though, the other priest starts and he's like, well, it has been eight years since my last confession. And Gabrielle interrupts him and is like, yeah, we don't have time for this. And just like, <laughs> you're very sorry. Right. All right. Absolved. I'm like, if the demon can smell your sins, I feel like the idea, this is not the time for a shortcut.
1: Yeah. That's the, like, it's one of those things where you're like, I said, he's quite gone Jinn of priests. He's like, ah screw the cancel I'm doing it my own way I'm gonna train this boy anyway and he's just running off and doing his own thing but surely that's what like he sh- he's done enough exorcisms and where it's implied that he has been involved heavily involved with exorcisms for like 20 years or whatever he's done enough of them to realise you can't be messing around like this especially since yeah. I, I get the impression that he knows that this isn't just regular you know Jimmy Demon this is one of the big boys
0: yeah yeah, and so especially given that, right, the idea that he's like, oh, this little shortcut will, where you like don't actually confess any of your sins, like that's fine. We don't have to worry about that. <laughs> it's just like ridiculous. So sure enough, the demon uh, comments on their assorted sins. Um, the problem, by the way, in case we we're wondering, is uh, women for everybody. Um, it's always women.
2: Well, of
0: course. Uh, so for always. Um, so for, um, Gabriele, it's that there's this, uh, this girl named Rosaria who, um, had, you know, seemed to be possessed. He decided that she was just mentally disturbed and then she killed herself. We'll say more about the kind of details around that as they kind of get increasingly revealed later. But, you know, so he clearly has like some guilt around that. And that uh, we also start to get information at this point and we'll get more later about the fact that the priest has uh, some woman named Adela that he has been having sex with.
1: Yes, he has. Because, you know, he's a sexy kind of priest. Um, we find out uh, yep. around about this time. So just before all of this, we find out that the demon's name is Asmodeus.
0: Mm-hmm. Or no, we don't find that out yet. Oh, I feel that, like it, it. No, it takes ages. No, it takes ages for well, them to yeah, find that out. yeah, it's a lot out. of
1: the creepy stuff that happens, but yeah, eventually we find it out. Um, it's just
0: we hard. get a whole thing that I need to have a conversation about well before we uh, get know, to with the
1: demon's you want to talk name being about revealed. the existence,
0: Yes, I do. I sure do.
1: I was trying to skip over that, listeners. I knew it was coming. I tried to skip over that entire section. <laughs>
0: There is so many things that we need to talk about. Um, We probably actually also should talk about the fact that um, he, uh, it, it turns out by the way that he just like, so not only was he sleeping with this girl, he lied to her about leaving the priesthood for her. And it's like really unclear what's up with her now, but I'm kind of betting nothing good.
1: Oh, definitely nothing good. Like,
0: Like I'm kind of wondering, they never say it, but I'm kind of wondering if, like, she killed herself or something.
1: Yeah, I kind of get the idea that he made all these promises to her, and then when he didn't. So he's guilty. his guilt is not that he wasn't celibate. I think that it's he led to, you know, her ending her own life, basically.
0: Yeah, which it doesn't actually say, which is weird, but, yeah. Um... But yeah, they um uh also <laughs> So uh this priest, this is like your classic like local parish priest who is just like not really very good at anything. Like he's clearly not very good at celibacy. And also um okay, he speaks Spanish. I understand that Spanish and Latin are different languages. But I firmly believe, as somebody who knows both of those languages, that, especially if you are a Catholic priest, if somebody hands you a, like, relatively short prayer in Latin and tells you to memorize it, I feel like that shouldn't be that hard.
1: No, I, I agree, but, you know, I'm gonna cut him some sacks there, like, he, he's just a... He's a dude. Like, he, he's probably realized that Latin's not going to help him get any strange. So, he's just using his Spanish.
0: Um, But prayer has more power in Latin, Ollie. Which is, like, a weird, like... Isn't that... Like, isn't... Didn't Vatican II say that's not true anymore?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, any <laughs> as long as the prayer is deep and meaningful, it doesn't matter what language it's in.
0: Yeah, not according to this. According to this, uh, pr- like... Russell Crowe says prayer has more power in Latin. Yeah,
1: because but Russell Crowe's old school. Like he's not listening to any of these councils.
0: Yeah, but like, but it's a weird, very, it's a weird choice being made in the context of this movie that like our hero is this like actually like ultra conservative Catholic. Oh
1: yeah, hundred percent. Like he's a, it's a choices have been made. Let's say this.
0: Choices have been made. So Sarah, we need to go More back. More choices are about to be made.
1: And talk about, because you're not going to let it die. I tried to skip over this half hour section in the movie. But we'll go back and talk about how the Pope becomes sick because he reads about Henry and he's like, oh, oh, he's getting really bad. He's reading all of the details and somehow that's affecting him. Because again, yeah. super powerful demon. Um, <laughs> Gives him a heart attack. Amorth, uh, Gabrielle, our hero, starts doing some investigation around the old church
0: yes so he's doing some investigations uh he at some point by the way uh finds some skulls and is playing catch with them and then says he's a cool priest he's a cool priest says oh it's a seal of the spanish inquisition Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he says these are the victims those who would not convert so a I'll talk about how that's not actually I'll talk in a leader segment about how that's not actually what the Spanish Inquisition was doing. I also however now I'm going to note the fact that at this stage I did write down from what convert from what Russell yeah you did, say it didn't say it Russell
1: uh, you didn't text me that at uh. Again, I believe four fifty eight my time in the morning. Um, yeah, that seems possible. What is he saying? Why won't he even say our name?
0: Yeah. Um. If you're gonna um talk about the Jews, whoa, whoa, and, whoa uh, Sarah. Okay, what he says they won't con the ones who wouldn't convert. They're in the Spanish Inquisition. They're obviously contextually talking about the Jews. The word "Jews" is never spoken in this movie, which is a choice especially given the move that this movie will make which at this point i also this is the point where i also i pause the movie okay so first i'm like it's really fucked up that you're like referring vaguely to the victims of the spanish inquisition you're not going to admit like and you're not going to call them jews like well, you say
1: victims okay
0: and if they hadn't been uh, converted essentially by force in the first place then it wouldn't have been a problem because uh, as well, we'll talk more in a moment about the Spanish Inquisition, but yeah, just so and what the Spanish uh, Inquisition is actually doing. But
1: Spanish Inquisition a distinct and legally different organization to the Papal Inquisition. Just so we know.
0: Yes, which also is like not clear. I'm going to talk more about that later too. I'm like I'm trying to maintain the integrity of our uh, our segments here, and I'm really struggling because I'm so angry.
1: Sarah is just okay. Just so people think. She might be messing here she's seething
0: (laughs) okay so um yeah so i'm watching this and they start talking to the spanish inquisition and like refer obliquely to jews they never say the word jews um i'm also like watching they're keeping they're like and here's the papal seal and i'm like i desperately need to know if the people responsible for this like have any idea that the pope is not directly responsible for the spanish inquisition And my answer, I'm pretty sure, is no, I don't think they know that. And then, and then I'm watching. And I just say, oh, no. Oh, this movie isn't doing this. This movie is not going to go where I think it's going to go. It isn't. It can't be going where I think it's going. And it is going where I think, where I thought it was going. For you see, according to this movie... The uh, Friar de Ohada. I think they do say ohada, even though it actually should be Ojeda, but that's a different problem. Um, Who is described in this movie, the reality is more complicated, we'll talk about it later, but was described in this movie as the man who single-handedly apparently convinced Isabella to start the Inquisition. Well, you see, he was also an exorcist, and he was possessed. It's only the only reason nobody ever would have thought of having the Spanish Inquisition had it not been for the devil. And at this point I wrote, fuck this fucking movie, and underlined it like four times, and I have never been so a in my life, at the fact that this movie is attempting to absolve the uh, church and the king and queen of Spain and all of these many fucking Catholics of complicity in the fucking Spanish Inquisition. I am so angry.
1: So, just so you know, Sarah, um, when it comes to Catholic <laughs> guilt in relation to the Spanish Inquisition and how this movie is trying to absolve Catholics of that guilt. I just want you to know, as the representative of Catholics, that uh, I have never felt guilty about it whatsoever. So it's perfectly fine. You don't need to be mad at the movie. It's not absolving me or washing away any guilt because I never had that guilt in the first place. Spanish Inquisition, totally non-connected to the Catholic Church. It was just a bunch of demon-worshipping weirdos.
0: Jesus fucking Christ. Oh my God. I was so angry, Ollie. So <laughs> oh, I know. angry. The
1: messages were in all caps there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so angry that this is the move that this movie fucking made. Oh my God. How fucking dare they, Ollie? How dare they? So anyway,
1: around about this time, we find out the demon's name is Asmodeus. Yep. And that's going to help them to exercise him from the little boy. Now I am pronouncing that as exercise, not ex but I've just got a big thick culty accent over here in Ireland. So ex or
0: Yeah, so he's going to exercise the demon. Um we know that also this this demon feeds on exorcists, right? And that's why he especially wanted to get Father Amort over there, is because he really likes exorcists yeah. and likes to then use them to make the Catholic Church do things that ordinarily they'd never do because they're all very, very nice men of God. Um, can you tell I'm angry? Uh, I
1: can't even tell. Like, you just seem so sincere in there. I, like, no lies were detected.
0: Good God. So we learn a little bit more about Rosaria, that she killed herself and that there was sexual abuse and a cover up. Oh, of course there was a cover up. I guess that's the only thing the church does. It does do a lot of cover ups, which you know was accurate. But, um, but
1: just so you know, they also it...
0: do the things that they need to cover up yeah. is what we seem to be ignoring. Maybe no, so. There, are,
1: there is these cover ups and there were the priests priest did this. But this is a really random story all of the priests who did that were exorcists and all of the people, all of them all of the people who ran the cover-ups exorcists and they were possessed by demons so in a way yeah catholic church not really guilty for that because yeah, yeah no demons. really
0: every every time the catholic church has ever done anything mean i bet it's just a demon The demon yeah. too explains everything yeah Oh my god. This
1: is what happens. They have so many exorcists, <sighs> and that night's nice priest at the beginning, he was like, No, Father Gabrielle, we need to stop doing exorcisms because that's what's leading to all of these evil things. <laughs> and not open <laughs> our
0: councils. He's like, Look, if you exorcists would just stop bothering these demons, the Catholic Church would never do anything wrong.
1: imagine having a letter
0: in the afternoon. God. Uh, So we've got our, like, big confrontation. Uh, The big confrontation, of course, uh, involves the uh, the specters of women, because of course it does, because you know what's scary? Women. So...
1: Right. So... (laughs) It is too specific. I'm
0: just saying the Catholic Church hates women, Ollie. I'm just saying. (laughs)
1: Because women are demons. But... Amorth, uh, Gabrielle... <laughs> and
0: to be fair, you know, traditional Judaism also hates women. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to make that clear.
1: Yeah, we all hate women here, Sarah. Don't worry about it. Um, but Gabrielle, uh, he uh, tried or decided not to help mentally ill woman. He was like, I'm not going to... So she she thought she was possessed and he was like, I'm not even going to help you with this. And then she ended up killing herself. And then with Ezekiel Esquivel, his... I keep wanting to say Ezekiel, but Esquivel the woman that he had the affair with and told he was going to leave the priesthood for, she killed herself as well. So the demon, in a way, trying to um, cloud their minds and make them feel tired or whatever, shows them visions of these two women, like shadowy forms of these two women to remind them of their sins, basically. And
0: right, and they, they start out shadowy and then become increasingly less shadowy and more bloody.
1: And I think the reason, yeah, so they become less shadowy and I think that's the movie's way of saying because the two men are thinking about their sins, it's giving more and more information to Asmodeus. So therefore he's more able to turn them into more realistic looking figures with more details, but also covered in blood to represent the fact that these two men were responsible for their deaths, etc. Right. It's like shorthand way of saying, I know more about you.
0: Right, so Amorich ends up uh, allowing himself to be possessed to save Henry, and the family takes off. Um, And short version between him being a good, strong, nice man who manages to resist the demon and Esquivel finally like stepping up and okay. Again, languages hilarious, right? So the point is that they're like prayers have more power in Latin, right? So he's like worked really hard and he's doing this prayer in Latin and he kind of starts out in Latin. And then at some point he just fizzles out and then he starts speaking English. And I'm like, what? English is neither the language that's supposed to be the best language, nor is it the language that's supposed to be your first language. So why English? I think. I mean, the answer is the movies in English and the people who wrote this script don't know any other languages is the real answer. But
1: But, it's stupid. What I think is happening is that we're supposed to take it as he's still speaking in Latin. Are we? Yeah. I I think it's one of those things where it shows him starting it in Latin, but then just translate this as English rather than putting like um what do you call them
0: I mean we are but so I like, feel like it's done poorly I feel like that like I feel like you have to like make it clear in the audience as opposed to just like the way it's done it just seems like he just kind of like gives up gives the fuck up at some point you no know,
1: I agree 100% that it's badly done but I think that's the effect that they were I'm sure going you're right to. um like for actually sure you're right
0: that that was the <laughs> goal if
1: you if you ever watch downfall for example there's a lot of, in the, the english version of this there's a lot where they dub it over but they they fade them in where you've got some german words and some english words together and stuff like mm-hmm. that. and but that's, right
0: like you can do stuff like that a, and they do stuff like that in like 13th warrior yeah. right where they kind of like do the transition that's between a, languages in a way that like you can tell what's happening but those
1: are two excellent movies uh these yeah. are this here is not
0: <laughs> no so anyway but the exorcism succeeds and everything's fine. And the Vatican uh, purchases the abbey. So uh, this family has money now. And the woman, thank God, doesn't have to work because women should stay in the home. Yeah, of course, and, she look um, those two
1: kids. Didn't you not hear the daughter saying, <laughs> do you want me to mother for you?
0: Neither of them need to be looked after full time. They should both go to fucking school.
1: Yeah, the, the little kid in particular should get as well. I... They're like ten and
0: sixteen.
1: So you know the ten-year-old kid, right? So they went through all of this trouble to uh, keep the little boy alive, right? If they had just cut their losses and uh, you know killed the kid, um, would the demon have been defeated?
0: I don't know.
1: Because you know the way at the. Start it's not really like clear. Jump in and possess the pig. And then to shoot the pig Demon's defeated And de- um, Gabrielle Takes the demon Into himself And then he's going To hang himself But the demon stops him
0: Yeah so I guess That actually works yeah. You just It's just like Frowned upon To like Shoot a fucking 10 year old kid In the head
1: Well frowned upon By who?
0: Say. Father Sullivan would have a fucking field day with that one. Oh, also, by the way, we also missed the part where like a demon like yelled at Father Sullivan and he quit his job as a cardinal. Yeah,
1: and goes to, to live in Guam. But um he I'm just like I'm just saying that if Gabrielle had done that, Escobel could have just, you know, done the whole hand wavy was absolve of your sins son, you know, like say a couple of Hail Marys. Go in there and say the yeah. father.
0: I mean, I'm pretty sure that still, though, um, I think even according to, like, (laughs) the law in Spain, I think even if you, I I don't think that, well, I know I murdered a kid, but it was because he had a demon in him. I don't think that keeps you from jail time. Yeah, but, see, (sighs) I mean, I'm not, you know, could have made it look like natural causes. You don't think that, like, the mom and the sister who were fucking there would have been like, mm. Who's gonna listen to them? That's two women. It's true. Nobody does listen yeah, to women. They're
1: gonna go to court, and the judge is just gonna be all like, mm, there's no evidence except the, the, the two women. Ugh. That was my Italian Spanish um, accent.
0: Jesus. <laughs> So, and the other thing that we've learned is that apparently this per- this monastery happens to have been built on the site, which is one of the 200 places where the demons, after being flung down from hell, were buried. And so it is actually like a physical, like, I mean, I guess it's like the Hellmouth and Buffy. I was just about to say, um,
1: it's, it, it's Sunnydale. <laughs> dim.
0: Yeah, it's just Sunnydale. And there's another one hundred and ninety nine of these, presumably including Sunnydale and I believe Cleveland.
2: Yeah, Cleveland.
0: Um yeah. according to uh the, the lore of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And uh Amort and Esquivel are going to wander around uh finding these sites, and uh he jokingly says, Let's go to hell.
1: Because that's setting up for so the have- Exorcist Two.
0: The po- or alternatively, the pope's exorcist, chew through two
1: hundred. Yeah, he's setting it up I'm for a whole. Saying. It's going to be a whole series, of these. and it's going yeah. like it's going to be like the Kenneth Branagh um, Poirot movies, where he'll have like bigger, more exciting casts every time.
0: Uh, also, that uh, they like end like crawl thing of this movie is that it's like and father abort went on to perform a lot of exorcisms and write books and write a lot of books and then the books are good (laughs) I have not read the books and cannot speak to the accuracy of that I have not
1: read the books either I am tempted though to give them give them a little squeeze um yeah so that's the end of the movie they're they're gonna go through they get the, the kid out um the Pope is better. Uh, the little kid is better. Everybody wins. It's, it's great.
0: And I win. Because while I can't speak to the accuracy of the statement about whether the books are good, there are a lot of other things whose accuracy I can speak on.
1: <laughs> is that in a section called Vere et Falso?
0: <laughs> Indeed. Vere et Falso. Okay. So first of all, let's talk about some material culture elements. Um, I will just, uh, so fun fact, as we said before, the filming is done at Drummore Castle in Ireland, uh, which is, by the way, a Gothic revival building from the 19th century. And like, look, it looks very nice. It also like, it looks to me like Gothic revival and not actual, and like, it also like, it looks like the kind of Gothic revival that you see in Ireland. It absolutely does not look like medieval Spanish to me.
1: No, definitely not. <laughs>
0: Um, we, uh, we see a couple of manuscripts, the, uh, the one that we see that's kept in the Vatican, as I said, it's kind of difficult because so much is crossed out to make any sense of it. Uh, it looks like probably a 17th century script, which it's not clear what it's supposed to be. So I can't say if that's accurate or not. Um, like if it's a foundation charter of the Abbey or like an early cartulary, that seems too late. But if it's a document about, like, shit that's happening at the Abbey in the 17th century, then that's fine. So, I don't know. Um, the manuscript that they find in the Abbey, which makes the connection to Ojeda, looks like probably early 16th century. But late 15th century is close enough. Close so, enough. I will give in, them in that. In
1: comparison to some movies we've had where they're like, this is from, this document is from the 9th century. And it looks like something that was written in, you know, 1925.
0: Yeah. So, could be worse. Um, I also just my other uh, my other material culture note that I wanted to make is at some point they have like a cross turning upside down in like that whole thing, which I find hilarious, and they're just like, it's an upside down cross. I'm like, isn't that just a symbol of Saint Peter? Well
1: it's not <laughs> just a symbol of Saint Peter, sorry.
0: <laughs> St. Peter wanted to be crucified upside down because other because like he couldn't be as cool as Jesus.
1: Yeah, but like, still. <laughs> but also, no,
0: I just always find it funny when they're like ooh the demon's making a cross go upside down I'm like like Saint Peter
1: there's the bit the first bit where Gabrielle meets the demon for the first time and he's like what you do now is because Jesus allows you to do it and then a cross falls off the wall and the demon says did he allow that and you're like he allow you to knock a cross off the wall? Yeah, he probably didn't care. He's allowed you to possess a little boy. He was crap about a cross. Right.
0: It's like God's God's like God's priorities would seem pretty fucked up if he was like down with the possession, but as soon as you tried to knock a cross, and he's like, absolutely not.
1: Yeah, although you can't
0: knock down that picture of my son that way.
1: God was repeatedly saying to gabrielle just ask the mom and sister if they're okay with just killing the kid like just ask like you don't have to do it just you know what
0: if i kill my kid um this movie has a lot of latin much of it is actually like taken from like liturgical stuff and it's fine and then sometimes it is not <laughs> In particular, we have this, like, phrase that appears in this manuscript, peccata tua inweniente te, which is translated as our sins will seek us out. Mm-hmm. Okay. So first of all, it very clearly says your sins yeah. will seek you out. Second, it also doesn't say that. Because in <laughs> Winiente, A, that's not the future indicative. Like, like, that doesn't mean we'll seek. It's a participle. Like, right? So it's like a present participle. So you would translate it like are seeking. But that's actually also wrong because it doesn't actually mean seek. It means find. Okay. So really what that phrase means is your sins sins are finding you. Hmm. No, it doesn't mean your sins will find you. It means your sins are finding you. currently finding you. Yes, your sins are currently finding you. And also in addition to all of that... When you have a participle rather than an actual verb, when you have a participle, the gender of the participle has to agree with the gender of the noun that it's uh, like that it's that's that like the subject, mm-hmm. um, which it does not. Um so peccata to uh, the up uh, um peccata, the singular is peccatum, and so uh peccata is uh, the uh, the neuter plural. And so it's similarly like it should be um Oh, shoot. What is the, the third? It should be like... Uh, I think it should be as inuenientes.
1: With an ES at the end.
0: Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to remember, actually. I might have to cut that out because now I'm blanking on what the third declension is for uh, for neuter. It's like... Yeah, I'm blanking on what the third declension is for we've, neuter. But inueniente is definitely this, wrong.
1: We all blank on the third declension, Sarah. Uh, don't worry.
0: But, uh, but it, it's definitely wrong.
1: It's feminine plural you've written here. Which, again kind of goes back to what the movie's saying women, women are, are the terrible
0: problem. um amort also at some point tells the demon to go back to gehemma at least that's what it sounds like and that's what the closed captioning says which is presumably so you like gehemma with two m's mm. i'm assuming because gehemma is nothing that this is supposed to be gehenna Which is, uh, it was a valley near Jerusalem that was allegedly used for sacrifices by a polytheistic cult back in, like, the vaguely defined Bible times. Yeah. And uh, then the term Gehenna is used in Jewish tradition as the name for, like, the closest thing that we as Jews have to hell. Yeah. So I assume that's what he was trying to say. And um, bless their hearts, he didn't quite get there. Well,
1: you know, he's not speaking a language that he's used to.
0: Yeah, he's struggling. I mean, he also says uh, "Ohada" consistently, where I assume he's trying to say "Oheda," hey, but that then leads into the conversation that we need to have about the Spanish Inquisition. Group so, of nice people first of all, just doing their job. Claim is made ugh, that there was a Dominican. That essentially, the claim is made is that there was this friar and exorcist, uh, friar Ohada Ojeda in the movie, yeah. Yeah. who is, like, the sole instigator who convinced Isabella to start the Inquisition. So what this is presumably referring to is that uh, there is a Dominican friar named Alonso de Ojeda, um, which, by the way, if you if you look up that name, you uh, don't get him. You get the more famous person who has the same name, who was, like, an explorer. Mm. Um, but there was a person named Alonso de Ojeda. And he, along with the Archbishop of Seville at the time, Cardinal Pedro González de Mendoza, um, the two of them are present at this uh, church synod, which is being held at Seville. And uh, Ferdinand and Isabella are, you know, are present at this, have called and are present at the synod. And so the bishop and Friar Ojeda complain to them that basically there is this serious problem, which is that, We have all of these people who are converts from Judaism and their descendants who are not being good Christians, that they are secretly practicing Judaism. Um, And that I will say, first of all, I will note, uh, that's what the Spanish Inquisition actually is. So contrary to popular belief, and this comes up in a lot of places, the Spanish Inquisition itself is not actually trying to get Jews to convert to Christianity. Jews are actually not really under the jurisdiction of the Spanish Inquisition, with one exception that I'll note in a moment. What it actually is, is that there are all of these people who have already converted from Judaism to Christianity and people descended from those people who converted um, either like By like who were either forcibly converted and it's, you know, you can convert or you can die um, or converted as a result of a number of kind of additional pressures that are being placed on the Jewish population. And this starts with this series of massacres that take place in the Iberian Peninsula in the year 1391. And a number of Jews are killed, but even more end up converting to Christianity, again, you know, very much under duress. And so you end up with this massive population of converts and the Christians kind of don't know what to do with them, and they're all people who would not, left to their own devices, have converted. They have no sincere interest in Christianity. They only converted because they wanted to not die, and they don't really have a great deal of interest, in many cases, in like being Christian, and so they are at least some of them are secretly practicing Judaism. Mm -hmm. This is something that already um, going back to the 1390s is something that already is being dealt with through uh, the papal inquisition operating in Spain. So the Spanish inquisition does not invent the inquisition. Um, We have inquisition going back to the 12th century. And then like the kind of official papal inquisition is, uh, is uh, developed in the 13th century And so essentially what this is, right, it's that it's basically that um, it's the idea is that you are targeting heretics and getting them to uh, renounce their heresy. And if somebody doesn't renounce their heresy or if somebody uh, relapses, then at that stage, under various circumstances, you would uh, hand that person over to secular authorities to be executed. Um, So that's something that's not new to the Spanish Inquisition. But what's new to the Spanish Inquisition is that because of this conversation and a number of other factors Ferdinand and Isabella essentially say okay it seems like we have this unique problem that other places don't have that you know everybody's got your garden variety heresy we have this specific problem that we have this like massive population of converted Jews of of conversos who are not actually being good Christians, and that's what the um, and that's what the Spanish Inquisition is responding to. Uh, and so, because of this, uh, in 1478, they get permission from the Pope Sixtus IV uh, gives Ferdinand and Isabella the right to establish their own Inquisition in order to handle this problem. So, I would like to note that this claim that this is all just like this one guy who's inspired by the devil and otherwise everything is kind of fine, is absolving from responsibility a massive number of people, arguably going back like a century, um, in terms of the people responsible in the first place for all of these like essentially people who convert rather than not, you know, so that they can not die. Ferdinand and Isabella themselves... Pope Sixtus IV, who granted them the right to establish their own inquisition, um, as well as figures like Tomás de Torquemada, who is the uh, first inquisitor general um, who has authority in all of Castile and Aragon. So these two kingdoms that um, uh, Isabella is the ruler of Castile, Ferdinand is the ruler of Aragon, is that they're bringing these two kingdoms together Uh, He plays an extremely important role in shaping the Spanish Inquisition. He too is being all of these people are being absolved of responsibility with this oh no it's just like it was this one guy and he was inspired by the devil so it's fine.
1: Well, He wasn't just inspired. He was
0: Yes he like was he was like possessed by the devil. Yeah yeah not even inspired. This one guy was possessed by the devil. So the devil did the Spanish Inquisition is, uh, yeah, ignoring the whole host of people who did the Spanish Inquisition. Like, it's fundamentally, it's A, fundamentally not accurate to say this one guy is responsible for the Spanish Inquisition. And like, A, that's just like, wrong. No historian would put things that way. And B, It's just like so gross to be like, oh, no, no one ever would have done anything mean if it hadn't been that this one guy was possessed by a demon. Otherwise, everybody is so nice. Otherwise, everybody's so nice to the Jews and to these converts. Because like, that's the thing, too, right? Is that like this whole problem also comes from the fact that even though the Catholic Church does actually say you should not forcibly convert people to Christianity, like that's not that's not a good thing to do. But the Catholic Church also still fucking says that, well, but if you are forcibly converted to Christianity, still counts sorry. Um, so anybody who is forcibly converted, you are still legally considered Christian and it is then a crime of it is, and it is an act of heresy to secretly practice Judaism, the religion that you never wanted to convert from in the first place. It is also, by the way, even though technically, well, you really shouldn't baptize a kid without their parents' permission. But if your fucking nurse steals your fucking kid and baptizes him, well, sorry, Christian now,
1: so just, just a couple of things. Sarah, clearly angry um, and very emotional about this. Uh, and I'm not trying to diminish that at all. I, I, I totally understand why you would be. Um, but I just want to say that when she says those things, she's talking in the present tense, but she's talking temporaneously about something that's happening in the 1400s. She doesn't mean that right now the Catholic Church is saying tough we've just converted you you're a catholic now and nobody is stealing well, but also, your children and yes you're
0: not there. I, I mean also the catholic church does not or have the same we? level today <clears throat> doesn't have the same level today right of like legal power right i mean they don't have like quite the same like alliance with like state authorities right and so like you know in certainly in like in the united states like somebody could hold a, you know, hold a sword to my neck and baptize me. And, you know, and say, like, we can baptize you or you can die. And, you know, I'd probably say, all right, fine, baptize me. But that doesn't have any legal impact on me anymore. After that, if he then lets me leave, I can say, great, fuck it. Like, <laughs> which, like, in the Middle Ages, you kind of can't. Yeah. I
1: just, here's a question that I, I I might have brought this up with you before. So Isabella and Ferdinand, um, and they established the Spanish Inquisition with the help of a demon. Um, and I'm, I'm really feeling relieved <laughs> to find out that it was a uh, H- hojede um, and he'd been like uh, been demon possessed because, you know, it really, really lifts off that that monkey that's been on my oh. back thinking about it. Like that weight that I've had for all these years. Um, so this was in the mid 1400s or so the mid 15th century, leading up to the expulsion of the Jews.
0: Yes. So one of the actually overt justifications that Ferdinand and Isabella use in the expulsion decree for why they're expelling the Jews is basically that, so, so, you know, we established the Inquisition to solve this problem, right, of all of these uh, conversos who are secretly practicing Judaism. It hasn't solved that problem. And so their suggestion is, well, maybe the problem is the bad influence of all of these Jews who are still, you know, officially Jews. Jews, And so maybe if we kick them out, then, you know, they then without that bad influence... Um, these conversos will actually be good Christians now. Um, This, of course, didn't work and, in fact, just exacerbated the problem because then you have all of these people who are given the choice that you can convert or you can leave your home that, like, your family has lived in for a thousand years. And so, unsurprisingly, a number of people are like, I think I'm going to (laughs) stay And so they convert to Christianity and a number of those people are also secretly practicing Judaism. Yeah. And so essentially just what you get is like more people that the Spanish Inquisition is targeting.
1: So back when we were in Spain, you were, you were telling me the concept of secret ham. Is that from yes. around this time period to see if people would react to like, oh, if you've converted, if I slide some ham into your paella or paella uh will you freak out about it like so is that around this time period or is it later on that that comes in
0: yeah i mean there i mean so i mean so my comment was just about the fact that i find uh i find it really entertaining and it's actually not as bad now as it used to be but when i first started traveling in spain there were so many things where, like on the menu it would seem like it's like a vegetarian dish and then it would get to your table and there's just like a little sprinkling of ham on top
1: which of course yeah because Um, again ham good
0: Surprise ham. And, you know, and now that I am, I was never really actively kosher. And now that I'm no longer a vegetarian, I'm like, yay, ham. But, you know, but yeah, but it actually is like, I mean, so my my theory that this is why there's so much surprise ham, um, I do not have like a clear smoking gun proof for. But there certainly are people who are denounced to the Inquisition with the grounds being like, this person turned down ham. And there are... um, like, that's also one of the things as well that shows up constantly in um, the records of uh, inquis- of like confessions before the Inquisition that people are like, yeah, I like did my best to avoid ham. And there's also um, recipes that people and there's also like recipes that people have found, um, which include like, basically like preparations of food that are trying to like make something look like it might be ham. <laughs> And so that, like, with the with the goal that, like, your neighbor, with their stopping by, will see something that, like, kind of looks and looks smells like, like ham. ham. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but um, but like, isn't ham? The
1: okay, so this just has popped in my head because I mentioned paella and dropping um, ham into it. Shellfish is non kosher as well, isn't it?
0: That's correct. So. um shellfish even though it is like equally not kosher as is like combining meat and milk for example um Ew, gross pig <laughs> well i mean but like that includes like meat and like any dairy right like you can't have a cheeseburger if you keep kosher
1: yeah well sarah luckily for me i do not <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean i also do not um but um Wait, now, I lost my... Yeah, yeah so true. even though these other things are also not kosher, um, pork really seems to have kind of taken on this status as being uh, what's kind of quintessentially understood as, uh, the like, the version. main... Si- well, and, like, the main, like, symbol of keeping kosher is the avoidance of pork. Yeah. Uh, to the extent, even, that, like, I know Jews who, like, eat shellfish and don't eat pork, which I think is ridiculous. Um... But I think that part of that is probably related to the ubiquity of pigs, that pigs are really become such a central part of a European cuisine for a number of reasons. Yeah, and so most, I think that's the most a big
1: meat in the world.
0: Yeah. And like, and that was very much like, I mean, we don't have like statistics, but like, it also does seem to have been like, the kind of default meat in a lot of ways in the middle ages as well and so i think that's probably why you're kind of seeing um that being the emphasis the kind of emphasis because that would be the sort of main thing that everybody is eating pig and so it really sets you apart that you're not eating pig whereas not everybody is eating shrimp all the time
1: yeah um i was just thinking because i was like Yeah, to put some ham in your paella. But like, paella, by definition, has tons of shrimp and prawns in it. So it's probably, like,
0: ham is probably... Yeah, paella is kind of a no-go if you keep kosher. But that it is like they discuss ham in like these records, like they talk about like avoiding ham or like pretending you're eating ham, et cetera, a lot more than they talk about shrimp. And I think that's just because people ate more ham than shrimp.
1: Yeah. I'm um, I'm just going to read this sentence out that uh, it's written here just before we get to Historia at Veritas. So I believe it says, fuck, period, this, period, fucking, <laughs> period, movie, period, and period, it's. Period fucking period attempt period two period absolve, period Catholics period of period guilt period four period the, period Inquisition <laughs> so just period uh, just for the record that's the Spanish Inquisition which we didn't really have anything to do with because that was run by demons right so uh, we we got the it. they're the,
0: they're just all demons Ferdinand Isabel, just all a bunch of demons every single one no, of no, them no 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 they were they
1: were good good. Uh, good normal Catholic people who were co-opted by this demon um, possibly named Asmodeus hmm Sarah who was Asmodeus?
0: so oh god I'm still so angry I know I'm trying to centre myself and talk about demonology
1: (laughs) the best kind of ology because it makes it sound like Uh it's a science but this is really Uh
0: not Historia et Veritas So Asmodeus is, I was going to say a real demon. I obviously don't mean that. Um,
1: (laughs) He's one of my homeboys.
0: Asmodeus is a real figure in the tradition of demonology uh, in Jewish, Christian, and Muslim traditions surrounding demons uh and he is like a big deal of the demons he is described sometimes as a prince and sometimes as a king of demons and either way that's pretty good Mm -hmm. pretty pretty high up in the demon rankings uh he's also regularly associated with lust in particular um which is interesting given that like we i think we kind of like skipped over it but that like there's like uh, there's like some weird you know there's a lot of other like weird shit with the demon but it includes like um, the little boy like grabbing his mom's boobs and this kind of weird like thing that's like sexual, but there's also like a reference to breastfeeding. Yeah, yeah there was a lot there. Which, just um, by the way, there's an
1: idiot line from the daughter in that scene where, it's, seen where um, it's it's so out of place because he's like, "You're a fat bitch" to the very slim mom. Um, yeah, and you never even breastfed me, and it's idiot is the, the girl going, "What the hell? That's weird." Yep. There's no emotion to it. It's like, what the hell? That's weird.
0: Yep. Being like, this is just not my day. I've got to go back to listening to my cool TV. Uh, Faith
1: No More. That'll yeah. be next.
0: Uh, also, in, yeah, and then also there's like a bit where the mom is like in bed and feels like presumably it's supposed to be her husband's arms around her and then gets like eaten by the bed. Um, so, you know, we've got some, like, lust reference. Um, so, some fun facts about Asmodeus. He features heavily heavily in the deuterocanonical Book of Tobit. So uh, for anyone not familiar, the term deuterocanonical books, uh, sometimes you'll also see the term apocrypha. Uh, these are books that Catholic and Eastern Orthodox Christians place in what they call the Old Testament, but Jews do not include them in the Hebrew Bible and Protestant denominations generally do not include them as part of their Bible.
1: Yeah. So what so, we like to call them is they're the actual uh, books in the Bible. And then people who are Jewish are like, oh, this, really, this doesn't really fit with the version that we've made up. Um, so we're going to cut them out. And then Protestants, who knows what those fucks are at, like. So don't worry about it.
0: And I will say, you know, some of the judeo canonical books, like but like the book of Judith, the book of Judith fucking slaps.
1: Yeah, it's, so. a, good, it's a good book. It, it, right, I'm, it, I'm not even I joking when I say this. It actually does. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, oh no, like uh, like Judith is excellent. I'm I'm so excited I in my in my women in the Bible class that I uh, that I teach every year um where uh today I just talked about menstruation. Um I'm so excited to do the book of Judith later this semester. Oh, lovely. Um yeah. So, uh the deuterocanonical book of Tobit Um, So there's this woman named Sarah, and she Mm -hmm. has married seven husbands.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: My name's saying. She has married seven husbands, um, and he murders all of them on their wedding night before they're able to consummate the marriage. Hashtag goals. Yeah. Um, Now,
1: does he do all of that, or is Sarah just pretending, uh, and it's just an excuse to absolve Sarah of guilt?
0: If so, Hashtag goals. This is the Sarah I want to be named after. Hashtag
1: let them die.
0: Fuck the boring biblical Sarah.
1: The other Sarah, the one that you're named after, literally does nothing. This woman's murder. No,
0: she uh, uh. She also um, oppresses her, sl- her enslaved woman.
1: Oh, that's true, yeah. She, yeah. That's what she does. Yeah. That's, that's
0: what not... she does. Is She harasses an enslaved woman. Oh, that's well, what maybe, she does.
1: Maybe she only did it because she was taken over by Asmodeus.
0: God. Uh, (laughs) So uh, Sarah will eventually end up marrying Tobias, who is the son of the book's titular Tobit. And Tobias only manages to defeat Asmodeus and therefore save his own life upon marrying Sarah uh, because he gets some nice instructions from the angel Raphael that he should burn the liver and heart of a fish, which was the, and then use that to drive off the demon and then like pray fervently before having sex. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it says, just
1: just for the record, as we should every day, (coughs) anytime I'm lining up. I've managed to convince a nice lady to come back to my thing. I'm like, just hold up. I'm going to burn the liver of a fish. <laughs> <And> then 10
0: <laughs> Make sure Asmodeus isn't there.
1: While I'm down there, might as well get started. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> and it says, the odor of the fish so repelled the demon that he fled to the remotest parts of Egypt. But Raphael followed him and at once bound him there, hand and foot. Which means, actually, he should be in Egypt, not in fucking Castile, but whatever. Mm. Um, I guess they're not paying attention to their own Bible now, are they? Well, he might have gotten um,
1: out because Egyptian uh, Egypt has women. So, at some stage, one of them could have taken him to Spain with her.
0: Fucking women. So, some interpretations suggest that he's punishing the grooms for their lust. Others, that he's acting out of hatred for Sarah or of lust for Sarah. Who knows? It is not clear in the book of Tobit. Um, We also have a number of other legends about Asmodeus. Uh, So in Jewish tradition, we include uh, that there is one legend saying that he's actually the son of uh, a female demon and King David.
1: Like as in David, David?
0: David, David. Like David wrote the Psalms, except he didn't and maybe didn't exist, David.
1: No, he, did. he absolutely existed. He couldn't have written the Psalms if he didn't exist, Sarah.
0: Well, he definitely didn't write the Psalms. It doesn't make any sense that he wrote the Psalms, because the Psalms talk about the Babylonian exile, which happened 500 years after David, where he, a historical figure, died. So clearly he didn't write that one.
1: Yes, and he, he did a good job of saying this. He's doing a bit of predicting going on. <laughs>
0: Uh, there is also a legend that King Solomon tricked, uh, Asmodeus into helping him build the temple, which I think is hilarious. No, which
1: temple? Yes, that's right. That temple.
0: The first temple. Mm-hmm. That's not the one that Jesus, uh, was fucking around in. That's no, no, the second no, no. Temple. King
1: Solomon's temple.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. King Solomon's temple. Yeah. Yeah. King Solomon's temple. Asmodeus helped out with that shit. Uh, and also he is uh sometimes described as being the uh the consort of Lilith. Ooh. Uh Lilith, of course, we have mentioned on this podcast before. Uh Lilith is my favorite, though this is the uh the interpretation in Jewish tradition of why there are two different creation stories, right? That there's a first that says like God created humans, male and female, he created them. And then there's the whole thing with the rib, the explanation for this, uh, according to kind of some, you know, some Jewish traditions is that they're talking about basically two different women that first God created Adam and Lilith. And then uh, Lilith didn't want to, uh, Lilith disagreed about the fact that Adam insisted that she was, uh, all, that he was always on top during sex. (laughs) and uh that's literally what it says uh it says it says that he said you shall lie below and she says no you shall lie below um and that is what that means um is they are arguing about who's on top during sex and that then because they uh kept fighting about this she said fuck it took off and then became a baby killing demon because that's what happens to women who have sexual agency (laughs)
1: jesus christ would not approve
0: and in according according to uh to some traditions, she then is uh, the, the consort. Uh, there are a couple of different demons that she's sometimes associated with as a consort, but one of them is Asmodeus. Um he is also mentioned in uh, the Malius Maleficarum, so this uh this term that means hammer of witches, this uh 15th century manual for uh you know what what to do about those pesky witches at the Point in the later Middle Ages, right at the very end of the Middle Ages, moving into the early modern period, where they, which is actually when they start to care about witch about witchcraft and uh, you know are involved in witch persecution. That uh, it says that the uh, that he is described as a demon linked particularly with lust. Uh, that it says that but the very devil of fornication and the chief of that abomination is called as Modeus, which means the creature of judgment. For because of this kind of sin, a terrible judgment was executed upon Sodom and four other cities.
1: Oh. Hmm. So it's because of Asmodeus that the people in Sodom were, uh, you know, having some fun.
0: Apparently. Hmm. So much fun. Uh, he also shows up in... Uh, so now we're getting a little post-medieval... Uh, he is one of the demons referenced as having uh, attempted to possess and um, force them to commit, commit uh, indecent acts in the uh, testimony of uh, this group of Ursuline nuns of Ludon uh, in the 1634 trial in which there's basically this like entire convent of nuns that claim to have been visited and possessed by demons. Nice. So Asmodius is one of the one of the guys that gets mentioned.
1: So all of these um, nuns, these Ursuline nuns who um get possessed by the demons, did they go off and like do like non nun stuff, if you get what I'm saying? Like
0: Yeah, oh yeah, they did. Yeah. So they... with Asmodius with... apparently. With
1: Asmodeus, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, And I just found this interesting when I was reading about Asmodeus that uh, in 1960, uh, upon the capture of Adolf Eichmann, uh, of course, famed Nazi war criminal, a Tel Aviv newspaper Haboker, when reporting on his capture, uh, had the headline reading Asmodeus in Israeli chains. Uh, So just interesting that he's the kind of name picked as just like, a recognizable demon name, essentially, as you know yeah, I think so.
1: Fuck that newspaper for trying to absolve all of those Germans by trying to claim that Eichmann was Asmodeus <sighs>
0: and the whole. Well, song. actually, so I will say the move that this movie makes is actually very much in line with the thought of the real father Amort who um, said a number of <laughs> controversial <laughs> things, one of which was yeah so um, so uh, well there's there's irrelevant the to the less relevant. Um, i just gotta like find some of this guy's quotes. Um, yeah so just don't
1: do yoga that's number one.
0: Yeah so uh, <laughs> the one that I know that I sent you, which is not directly relevant to this is that uh, this fucking guy bless his heart. Um, (laughs) (laughs) okay, so this fucking guy, um, he, uh, essentially, sorry, I'm trying to find the, uh, the actual quote. Um, yes, at a, at a film festival in Umbria, um, we're invited to introduce a film about exorcism. He has quoted it saying that yoga is satanic because it leads to the practice of Hinduism and all Eastern religions are based on a false belief in reincarnation and practicing yoga is satanic. It leads to evil, just like reading Harry Potter so, um, just want to introduce that quote, just because we can't possibly pass that up. But also, the other uh, delightful opinion that Father Amort has is that uh, both Hitler and Stalin were possessed by demons. Yep. Yeah, he's got
1: he's got some uh, he's got some interesting ideas, old old Father Gabriel.
0: Yeah, and so, and uh, and so, to give you the precise quote, I am convinced that the Nazis. So not even just Hitler, Holy all God. the Nazis were possessed by the devil. If one thinks of what was committed committed by people like Stalin or Hitler, certainly they were possessed by the devil. This is seen in their actions, in their behavior, and in the horrors they committed. So while as far as I know, um, I don't know that he said anything about the Spanish Inquisition specifically, um, it certainly seems to be in line with his views to absolve people from murdering Jews because the devil made them do it. <laughs>
1: It's so bizarre. Um, like, I wonder if he actually believes that. Like, but he probably does if he wrote it. Uh, just to throw in just a, a random little thing, because I'm sure we'll be doing an episode on the, in the future. But um, uh, on season two, uh, Asmodian in uh, the Wheel of Time is the uh, the Forsaken who uh, is written as the good time party boy, who's all about the uh, mm-hmm. you know getting it on and and having the old yeah. uh, sexual intercourse, and he's also a musician and makes sense that's what basically that's why he was chosen for this he's like the uh, the cool the rock and roll demon and uh, i'm assuming that's yeah. why that's why he did it so fair play to you robert jordan
0: yeah no yeah and this i definitely um i can't yeah i definitely noticed when reading the wheel of time certainly that um a lot and i think we might have talked about this on the episode that a lot of the names of the forsaken are drawn out of various demonological traditions and that like, clearly he is. Yeah. um, Yeah, And that, yeah, clearly like a lot of those details, that's where that's coming from, which I think is super cool.
1: It's Baal Zaman. Like, so it it does (laughs) Balal, et cetera. Like it's all, it's pretty, yeah. Pretty clear. Right.
0: Ishmael is probably supposed to be Samael. So.
1: Well, Samael is Samael. Um,
0: Oh right, so there's actually kind of two.
1: Yeah, I think. <laughs> two
0: sets. was a big deal. He's, he's so? pretty
1: big. He's got two of them. He's 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 the worst of the worst. Uh,
0: he's, he's got two forsaken.
1: So that. So I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about in relation to Asmodian? Asmodius, sorry. <laughs> I, always oh, I like want to that talk you're doing about like the fake
0: wheel of time. <laughs> I like that you're doing the fake wheel of time name instead of like the actual demon's name. Yeah, well, I
1: did. That was genuine accident. <laughs> Just. <laughs>
0: But no, I think that is everything that uh, that I have to say about uh, Asmodeus. And um, also, in conclusion, fuck this movie.
1: <laughs> well, we can get to that when we get to the estimatio. Uh, or the enumeratio, sorry. Um, so the next thing is uh, Fabula Nostra.
2: Fabula Nostra.
1: Fabian and Ostra is where we come up with our own film or TV show that's inspired by this one. In particular, usually what we do is inspired by the name or we want to do a better version of it. So I'm going to go specifically with the name. And okay. I am going to follow on from a little bit with about what has been implied by that Tel Aviv newspaper and a little bit by this newspaper or this movie mm-hmm. is that demons can take over people of the cloth so why don't we see a story where a pope let's just say a random pope let's just say the pope that was formerly a nazi youth member let's just say benedict right Mm -hmm. and benedict was uh taken over by a demon and is at that time the head of the church and he's coming down on his uh his hatred for particular things he's the one who changed the responses we say in catholic masses and confuses anybody who's over the age of like 10 which is everybody who goes to mass um because suddenly the stuff that you've been learning for 25 years has changed um and
0: ali have you seen good omens or read good omens
1: I read Good Omens, yeah, uh, but I, I haven't watched the show yet. It's meant to be good.
0: I feel like that is a very, like, if that if the idea is that that is, like, a, like, demonic choice, right, and the idea is just to, like, con- like, with the goal of just being to, like, confuse people, and so people are saying their prayer is wrong, that seems like the kind of, like, demonic move that uh, Crowley and Good Omens would oh, make.
1: I I never thought about that. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. And it it is still confusing. You still see people in church where they'll say um uh you know the, the spirit with you and then now you have to go and with your spirit but not we used to go like and st- and with yours like and with your, that, that's all we, you did yeah so like even saying amen is replaced in seraphim come on what are you talking about but because
0: doesn't it like it doesn't count right if you say it wrong because isn't there that whole thing about that like uh like some priest who like fucked up and like memorized the baptism formula wrong and now like none of, none those, people of those people are actually baptized?
1: baptized yeah and it was effectively because <laughs> and it was only Hilarious. one sentence that he'd done wrong you're like but he did it like every baptism for about. 20 years i think so that's yep. one of those things that happens but i would like to see a movie which is based around pope benedict he I, again I'm, I'm saying benedict i i have nothing against uh, former nazis being um popes but um and he's passed away so i mean
0: you know there was also a pope who uh, as we officially learned was uh, overtly you know the pope who was uh, pope while uh while the Nazis were in power, we've learned, uh, decided that actually everything the Nazis are doing is uh, totally fine by me, so.
1: Yeah, well, um, again, I, I don't want to say <laughs> that this was true or not because, you know, this, this those things are open to interpretation and uh, and uh, I, I like my job. But um, let's just say that one of the popes has been uh, taken over by a Nazi. Or, not sorry, a Nazi, by, uh, by a dean. <laughs> um, we have to have him actually get... Exercised, but it's difficult because the Pope is infallible, so anything that comes Mm. out of his mouth is unquestioned by anybody who is of the faith. So, if the demon has possessed the Pope and the Pope is saying, This man's not allowed near me, it then becomes incumbent oh. on this man to try and do some sort of sneaking in so it becomes a heist movie so then what we get oh. is a heist movie where they have to kidnap the Pope and exercise him while also avoiding the Swiss Guard and any of the actual soldiers that are banging around in Italy Right. so it then becomes kind of like a Da Vinci code we're breaking into the Vatican we're going to get the Pope we're going to steal him or even that would be angels and demons if we're going to deal with the Pope mm-hmm. and we're going to uh take him out and um and and exercise him and actually carry out a full exorcism on him again under the the time constraints of where we've got him into a room we might have him for an hour that's how we do this and i want this to be a big budget movie i don't want this to be a shitty budget movie i want this to have like mission impossible eight money thrown at it like i want this to have like (laughs) 220 million plus budget And for them to really go to town on it. Uh, I want Oscar Isaac to be the priest who's going to carry out the exorcism. I want Brian Cox from Succession to play Pope Benedict. Um, He's really good. And he can do evil really well, uh, which is Mm. what you want. Because he can also be your nice granddad or your dad. Yeah. But then also when he wants to be like evil and grumpy he's got that Scottish bit bit rough to him. Mm. So that's how he can be and we can even have Asmodean take over him. So yeah, I want to have a movie about the pope, the actual pope getting taken over by a demon and then the only man qualified enough to save him is Oscar Isaac. Uh let's just say we'll call him uh What's the best? Like, let's call him Canon, um, because it's it's a lesser it's a lesser referenced uh, priest level, right? So Canon Oscar Isaac has to uh, mm. find a way to break into the palace of the Pope, kidnap him, and get him into a room. Um, he'll have to have some help. So let's just say Emily Blunt is helping him and uh, emily Mm -hmm. blunt is i mean she can't be any kind of position in the church let's say she's an interpreter working for the pope Mm. because the pope is going to meet somebody who doesn't speak uh what did benedict speak um german and evil so like we have to try and uh, find her to translate that into english or something like that right so she's going to be working there and between the two of them they have to get him into a room and maybe they maybe they succeed maybe they don't but so it's an actual exorcism excellent. that has to be taken undertaken on the pope
0: excellent so what we usually do is that usually come up with a movie that is inspired by like the name of this movie and i'm usually like you know what why don't we have all why do we have so many fucking movies about christians um because is usually because christians are the best the tactic that i take Ugh. so okay in so my idea. One of these days I'm going to get that student evaluation. That's just why does Dr. Ducker hate men and Christians? Um, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, okay, so... My thought was, why do Catholics get the monopoly on stories about exorcism and demonic possession? So um, I was inspired here um, by a 2011 book by a scholar named Yossi Chayes called Between Worlds, Dibboks Exorcists, and Early Modern Judaism, which uh, discusses extensively the phenomenon of demonic possessions and various kinds of spirit possessions of Jews and within the Jewish community. Uh, Primarily, he looks at cases in uh, the town of Tzfat, which at the time is under is under Ottoman rule. Um, And which is this kind of major uh, center of Kabbalah, of Jewish mysticism. Um, And one of the things that he talks about is that there are a number of women in particular who uh, are kind of claim this like spirit possession. And this is interesting because it like allows like women to like, it's like has like women then who are like speaking languages that typically women aren't educated in. And it also essentially like allows them to like claim various kinds of mystical and spiritual knowledge in a context where Kabbalah is to, is a form of mysticism that because it's so highly so, like linked with texts and with education tends to not be as open to women in contrast to um, Christian mysticism in the medieval and early modern period, which is uh, much more kind of like affective and about um, like, it's about like your personal and often very sexy relationship with Jesus. Um, yeah, this is and a sexy, sexy
1: man. He looks like a BG.
0: Sexy man. So I think that this would be fun, uh, would be to have a 16th century Jewish story about demonic possession uh, focused on a, uh, a woman in the town of Tzfat. And I have one piece of casting, which is that I'm going to have my uh, woman who is possessed by a demon is going to be played by Rachel Weisz.
1: Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's deadly. Um, yeah, I would watch that, Sarah. Although I do have a question you Mm -hmm. are correct a lot of these um demonic possession things do seem to focus around catholics right or protestants if we happen to be watching an american movie, right uh so here's my question
0: but i feel like not even that many protestant like i feel like there's actually not a lot of protestant focused like exorcism stuff
1: because i mean again who knows what those people are up to but why do you think the non-christian uh religions have gone out of their way to hide this aspect like um why why haven't there been like a bunch of movies out of israel about jews being possessed by demons like why why are uh, muslim countries like keeping this on the wraps whereas we're out there and proud about it like we're there saying this is the spanish inquisition happened because of this demon like we're letting Jesus people Christ. know know what actually yeah well you happened. did all
0: of these that's the answer is that you did all of these shitty things and you need to be like fuck it was the demons
1: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's your
0: answer. That's the the answer. Uh, No, I mean, I... I mean, I guess to some extent, like, I wonder, right? I mean, is it actually, like... Because I feel like actually, I mean, like, the, like, association of exorcists, like, did not especially like this movie. Um, I mean, so I wonder, right, to what extent is it that, like, Catholics are, like, woo in terms of, like, making exorcism movies that then, like, center essentially kind of Catholic ideas about exorcism. I think it's just that, like, American, like, you know, it's not, like, these are, like, American movies, and I think it's just that these, like, American film studios kind of associate, like, This like demon like kind of like magic and demon stuff with Catholicism, which honestly seems very much like something that actually kind of comes out of American Protestantism being like the weird magic stuff in Christianity. That's what Catholics do. And also we've forgotten that Jews and Muslims exist.
1: Yeah, well, again, I think you guys are trying to hide it maybe a little bit too hard.
0: (laughs) Hey, I am. I am all for it. I am stoked for this Jewish demonic possession movie. We can have. We can be possessed by demons too, Ollie. Uh,
1: apparently, not enough for you guys to want to represent it on TV or movies.
0: Yeah, well, that's because we don't need somebody to explain why we started the Spanish Inquisition,
2: Ollie.
0: So, at this point, I think we can get into rating this movie on a scale of one to five based on whatever criteria we see fit. I'm giving this a one because I'm genuinely offended by this movie. Um, (laughs) I think it makes a claim that is reprehensible. However, I am not replacing my zero with this. This is staying a one. This is because this movie is also low-key hilarious and under two hours. So, like, I think you should kind of watch it. its I don't think it's good, but I think you should watch it.
1: I... <laughs>
0: Whereas no one should ever watch The Last Duel. It is, like, three hours of fucking misery.
1: I still can't get over your ranking of the... <laughs> I, can, I cannot get over you ranking those movies that way. But um, I, I'm i going to give this a two and a half out of five. And the reason I'm going to give it two and a half out of five is I am not a horror movie guy. And a lot of times I'll get halfway through, 25 minutes through um, a horror movie and just go, meh, meh, I'm, uh, it's just And yes, because I'm watching this for the podcast, I, I would have pushed through, but I think I would have gone kept watching this anyway I think Russell Crowe is good in it I think his accent is terrible I think um, the message that it's sending and even I as a Catholic person when I was watching this uh, I sent Sarah a text message saying like 20 minutes in this is bad and then around about an hour and 15 minutes in even though I knew Sarah hadn't seen the movie yet I sent her a message going oh oh I can't wait to talk about this because I knew it was going (laughs) to get her in in into quite the aggravated mood but yeah I'm I'm gonna give it two and a half I think it's a well made movie I think some of the performances are good it is it is screenplay 101 from somebody who'd heard the story of oh the Pope's got this thing he wrote this this book about it so they were like let's make him a cool acting priest but from somebody who doesn't know what cool is and I don't even think it's like I don't even think they've described it in a way that would make you think that the that the character thinks he's being cool. I genuinely No, it's
0: hilarious. It's that like they're like, "Oh, you know what would make a po- make a priest cool? If he like makes jokes and rides a Vespa." It's hilarious. And I will say I don't think Russell Crowe is good, but I think he's just like circled around and it doesn't matter anymore. Like this is my this might <laughs> be my favorite Russell Crowe performance because it's just like so hilarious. It's just ridiculous. There- and that may- like so it's just funny.
1: You're <laughs> Why do you hate Russell Crowe so much? He's good in oh, some things. Reason. Have you ever seen Nice Guys? Eh. He's really good in that. Um,
0: I, I actually have seen... I have not seen that, but I actually have seen, like, two things where I genuinely thought he was good.
1: I You kind of cut out there a little bit, Sarah. So what were the two things you... Oh, you, you, you I've liked?
0: seen two things that I genuinely thought he was good. I thought he was good in 310 to Yuma, and I thought he was good in um, The Insider.
1: Oh, well, he's... Yeah, well, he's excellent in the, He should have got an Oscar for The Insider. Um, and then he got one for gladiator and then he nominated him again for a beautiful mind it's such a don't even i don't even want to start on the beautiful mind um Mm -hmm. but i'm gonna cut this out so sarah uh since you said that this is like a really really good movie Mm -hmm. um i think we should end the podcast here because that is such a such a shocking thing so what is the uh God. what is the last section we don't have a name for it but it's like info for our listeners or something along those lines do you think you call it
0: yeah so ollie thank you for joining me to talk about this movie which uh turned out to have more uh medieval content than i initially anticipated it having which uh is um a good thing and a bad thing
1: <laughs> i feel uh. like it was all a bad thing
0: I mean, it's a good thing in the sense that I found my anger cathartic. <laughs>
1: That's one way to describe would My anger wow. le- allowed me to get those feelings out.
0: Because also, like, okay, also, just by the way, all right, this movie clearly does not know that the Catholic Church is not, in fact, like, directly administering the Spanish Inquisition. Mm-hmm. But also, like, the Catholic Church can't be, like, absolved for the Spanish Inquisition. Good. A, they authorized it. And B, the other thing to... Like, A, they authorized it. B, the actual Inquisitors, while not, like, the papacy, are generally, like, like, to like, Torquemada, right? He's, like, a Dominican friar, right? So it's still people who are associated with the church are the people actually carrying out most of this. And C... The other thing, of course, to note is that while the Spanish Inquisition is not directly being controlled by, like, the Catholic Church of the sense of the Papacy, the Papal Inquisition, like, also sucks, and that sure as fuck is being controlled by the Papacy.
1: Yeah, but, I mean...
0: Like, they're also doing judicial torture, and, ex- and, like, then handing people over to be executed.
1: Sarah, if you're going to be an Inquisition, you might as well have a little bit of torture. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just the two of them go hand in hand. Like, you name one Inquisition that's ever happened in history that didn't have a bit of torture involved.
0: Maybe you should just have less Inquisitions, Ollie. I'm just saying. Hey,
1: uh, speaking of um, other world religions, do you think any of those other world religions have had Inquisitions at any point, like...
0: I mean, we didn't, but we just didn't have any power. Oh, yeah.
1: Do you know what? You just didn't have a Monty Python sketch about it, so therefore nobody knows about it.
0: Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Nobody expects... Especially... That, that is me watching this movie, is I just did not expect the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> this is the one time I've been like, yeah, no, I didn't expect the Spanish Inquisition, actually, no at all. Nobody expects
1: the Jerusalem Inquis- Inquisition um right uh so usually you ask me okay. where you can find me as always nobody can find me you're yep. not gonna find me on the internet uh if you Ollie's listen to judging book covers all a demon i'm not a demon if i was a demon Ollie, I you would... can
0: only find ali if he's possessing no him.
1: i'm not gonna possess anybody and you can't find me but uh, at all but i do sometimes guest on other podcasts and i am a permanent uh guest on judging book covers at the minute um i've still managed to not have to take on any of the responsibilities of that podcast. So I'm not... Mm-hmm. I'm just a guest. I am not in any way, shape or form a co-host. Just a guest that's on every episode and does all of the media stuff for it. Which is bad because I'm mm-hmm. bad at that stuff. Uh, and also does a probably Wait, they have you
0: doing the media?
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> have you seen anything from it? The answer is no. Nope. Why? Because I ain't the no one doing the media. Uh, and then I also... Uh, guests. I'm just finished my last episode of me on Welcome to Reddington, has just come out, uh, which is an actual play D style podcast. I think they the played monster of the week. It is the, the the game system they use, and not Dungeons and Dragons. Where I played a guy named Jimmy Rigney, and I am meant to be a Boston cop. Um, this is my Boston accent and uh yeah i i was listening back to it and it's actually kind of good like the the entire storyline is good nice. and and where it goes is good um i apologize for the fact that i spend the entirety of my recording singing just singing in the background so every time they cut to me it's just jimmy like going what a minute sugar because he's just discovered that the character has just discovered harry styles and he thinks he's really good <laughs> so um, yeah um yeah listen to uh, welcome to Reddington formerly called once upon a monster of the week and uh, yeah judging book covers so brilliant
0: and if you learn Ollie's new name a uh, true name you can call him or banish him or make him edit your podcast
1: no don't do that <laughs> <laughs> my true name Asmodeus
0: <laughs> if you have enjoyed this podcast and our weird mood (laughs) please subscribe in your preferred podcatcher app please rate and review media evil on apple podcasts or your podcaster of choice and i will read new five-star reviews in future episodes please also follow the podcast on twitter at media evil pod or x or whatever we call it i don't care um and join the facebook group and you can find me on Twitter or whatever the fuck it's called and Instagram at Sarah Ipt Decker. And if you have any questions or suggestions, I would love to hear from you via email at media.evilpod at gmail.com. So Ollie, thank you. Uh,
1: it's always a pleasure, Sarah. But Sarah, I just want to, to reiterate, we will probably do an episode on Wheel of Time Season 2. Uh, yes. which was much better than season one, but still it, it's like they saw the books from a distance once and then somebody was like,
0: This is the plot
1: and they went, Okay, <laughs> let's make a show out of that. Um d- still good. And I, I think people need I'm to I'm behind understand-
0: and I'm enjoying it so far, but yep. it is yeah, it's it bears a interesting relationship to the books. We'll just Pe- say that.
1: People who are show fans need to understand That it's perfectly okay for somebody to say. I am enjoying the show. But this is a poor adaptation of the books. Which is a perfectly valid way for to do. Because it is a good show. It's an enjoyable show. But as an adaptation of the Wheel of Time story. It's very loosely based on it and the, yeah and that's but that's fine i'd call
0: it's, it more a loose interpretation exactly.
1: you can a still
0: story you,
1: you can exist in that position and understand it at the same time so you can like the show and not have to try and say it's a good adaptation it, it really isn't
0: and it just, it feels like a lot of things, it really just kind of seemed like they just decided to like do their own thing. And it's like internally coherent as its own thing, yeah. so far at least I'm behind, but like it's, it's its own thing. It,
1: it really for is. better or worse. Thing. And again, it's one of those things where you're like, it's fine. But anyway, uh, side the point. Uh, so yeah, we're going to do an episode on Real time Scene 2. I want to do a copy or an episode, a copy. I want to do an episode on Apocalypto with you because I think you would genuinely enjoy Apocalypto. <laughs> And you get to shit on uh, Mel Gibson a bit.
0: And I always love to shit on Mel are Gibson.
1: Are we going to eventually play D and D?
0: Yes, eventually. Not this semester.
1: No, not this semester. But like, I'm thinking we should, we should get one done. Yeah. Like, even if we do it over Christmas breaks or something like that. Yeah. Like, and um, we can we can text David Baxter and ask him about yeah about DMing and stuff. Um and then who else did did, did
0: Trace, i know elizabeth i think was interested yeah,
1: elizabeth did tracy said she might want to do it yeah um, Stephen dunscombe i know it had mentioned what right to do it as well um so we, there's, there's plenty of people we can yeah. get into that can have a go like and uh, yeah we can see how it goes because like a one shot that takes three or four hours we can release it as two, like as like secondary content or something like this so yeah so we can we can make it work like so we can really like i if i edit it we can always release it in the um the off weeks or something like that or the next or alternatively we bank it and the next time you want to take a break for a month i can mess around with it and put in like sound effects and stuff in the background and actually turn it into like some sort of like yeah thing. that depends on how motivated get. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's that point. So that's what I want to do in the next yeah, coming up. So man, I, I will be back, that. dear listeners. Excellent. Um, but I'll try not to be back as often, uh, and I will not be talking about any more horror movies. <laughs> Cut that you are you back. are
0: welcome back anytime, and I uh, I appreciate you uh, letting me bully you into watching this movie.
1: <laughs> you didn't bully me, Sarah. Uh, and as I said, I genuinely I, I, when I got to that point about the Spanish Inquisition, I was like, Sarah is going to absolutely hate this so it was brilliant and thank you for having me on
0: thank you for joining me and thank you all for listening to media evil bye, bye.